I grew up outside of Detroit. My father worked at, in a GM car factory for his whole life. My mother you know, stayed at home because there were seven of us. And so the reality of coming from a really small town and I jokingly say you could have put me on the moon and there would have been less culture shock <laughs> than coming to Princeton. <laughs> I'm going with the flow, and thank you, Falaron. All right, everybody. Welcome to another very special episode of Go With The Flow. Around this time last year, I had President Eisgruber on the podcast, and now I have a very, another very, very special Princeton guest, Athletic Director John Mack. Welcome to the show, Mr. Mack. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. The way that I actually got the President Eisgruber episode to happen was I walked up to him on Cannon Green around this time last year and asked him to come on, and he said yes. And so I knew that I wanted to have you on. I'd sent you an email beforehand. It must have got lost in the shuffle. So I was like, okay, when I see him in person, I will make sure to walk up to him and extend the invite. So thank you for coming on. No, thank you for being persistent. Uh, I get a lot of emails, as you would expect. Yeah. Uh, most of whom I try to respond to and, and successful. Every once in a while, one slips through the crack. Uh, so I appreciate your, uh, your persistence. Yes, for sure. And so the first place that I wanted to start, because my thesis is due in three days on the 22nd. Um, and so, taking it back to your Princeton days, you were a Princeton graduate in the year 2000. Do you remember what your thesis was on? I absolutely do. I don't remember what it was titled, uh, but I was a psychology major, uh, and my uh, I focused on the social psych aspect. And my thesis was a study of um, middle school kids uh, and their interpretation and perception of their own academic uh, intelligence, academic ability. So I did a study uh, and actually went back to my uh, middle school back home uh, and surveyed uh, about 100 fifth graders and what I did is I had the teacher uh, of each class rate uh, on a scale of one to five what they thought the student's uh, academic you know potential was I had the students rate themselves their own potential and I had them rate each of their classmates Ooh, on okay. the scale and so I tried to correlate uh, what the teacher and I also asked the, I also asked the students to rate what they thought their teachers said about them yeah. <laughs> so I tried to see if there was a correlation between what the teacher thought and what the student thought uh, but what I actually saw was that there was a correlation between what the student thought the teacher thought and what the student thought okay so uh, students were really bad at interpreting what their teacher actually thought about their potential, which is, I think, is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they internalized uh, what they thought was the feedback, and it impacted their own uh, academic um, self-evaluation. Uh, that's the you know Cliff Notes version. Yeah, 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 yeah uh, 24, for sure. Twenty-four years, twenty-two years uh, later. Do you remember how long yours was? I don't. Uh, I think I tried to make it as short as possible. It's probably somewhere around fifty or sixty pages. Okay. Um, it, it, it was a great uh, exercise. I was glad to have done it and glad to be done with it. Okay, and that leads into the next question that I was going to ask you, and because this is, I've had, I have a lot of undergrad students on here mostly, and we have healthy discussions about the necessity of having to write a thesis. And so 22 years later, how do you assess whether or not that actually enhanced your person experience in any way or the necessity of having to write one? I, I think it was a great experience uh, on a number of fronts. One, there is a, uh, a shared suffering uh, among senior students this uh, on this campus <laughs> who have to write uh, a, a thesis. And I think it's one of the first things anyone who's an alum, anyone who's in administration will ask you, what is your thesis about? How is it going? Uh, there, there's just something that connects you to uh, the university and, and, and those who have come before you when you do it. 
also, I think what's really important is it is the singular, probably the singular individual academic pursuit to that point you know, for most students in, in their life. You, you haven't had to think up your own research project. You haven't had to delve into a subject as extensively with, with uh, only you know, guidance from your advisor, but it, the, the work is on you. And so it, it forces you into many times an uncomfortable position and having to, to shoulder that load when for the first you know, 12, 16 years of your academic life, you've, everything you've done has been reactionary and responsive to what professors and teachers have given you. This is something that's self-generated in a way that most students haven't had a chance to do, and I think there's just huge value in that. Uh, again, I can say that now having 22 years yeah. <laughs> of, of hindsight, uh, but I do. I, I think it's a really great exercise, and one of the things that the university does, and I say this all the time, it prepares you uh, for success beyond Princeton. And I think having to carry that kind of load to take on that kind of responsibility and ownership of your academic experience is a part of that preparation. Yeah, and I do think that as someone currently going through it, through it right now, I might not appreciate it as much. But certainly after I'm done and when I'm reflecting on my Princeton time, I could see how I would appreciate having that own unique piece of work that I did, that Absolutely. I did put forward. Absolutely. And so you were an athlete here. You ran track and field. And so, and now you've come back and you're the athletic director of Princeton, which I'll ask you about in a little bit. But first question, how has Princeton changed um, since you've been a student athlete and in what ways is, is it still the same? I think the easier thing to say is, is how is it still the same? And, and for me, the thing that I fell in love, first fell in love with uh, about Princeton, the thing that has you know kept me connected to the university uh, over the last 22 years has been the people. That the, the, the Princeton recruits and produces and trains the best people uh, that I've encountered anywhere. Um, I met my wife here. I met my, my best friends here, so I'm slightly biased. But when I listen to student-athletes, when I listen to students, when I listen to the, the faculty and staff uh, and, and engage with alums, I'm consistently blown away by the quality of, of people that are associated with this university, regardless of, of what their profession is or, or what they do beyond uh, being associated with Princeton. That, to me, is, is the one consistent that has always held true. Uh, about this place. I mean, in terms of what's changed, uh, so much. Um, <laughs> I, I said to someone in the first few months, I felt kind of like a first year walking around. Uh, the, the names of some buildings have changed. There are different buildings where other buildings used to be. Uh, there are buildings in new places that have the names of some of the old buildings. And so uh, it, it's been uh, an adjustment for me trying to figure out how to get around. Uh, I, I think that the quality of student is better. The quality of student athlete is far and away better uh, than, than when I was here. We didn't have uh, NFL caliber football players, NBA caliber and WNBA caliber basketball players. We didn't have uh, Olympic caliber athletes to the extent that, that we have now who also happen to be exceptional students, exceptional people. And I think that you know, Princeton Athletics continues to be um, the leader in all of college athletics about producing Exceptional students who just happen to be phenomenal athletes, and I think that, to me, coming back uh, and remembering what it what it means to, to work with a thousand varsity student athletes every day, and also with uh, the rest of the campus on the, on the intramural and, and recreation and club sports side of things, which is a really important part of my job. Also, uh, coming back to that has been kind of a wow, this is a really big enterprise yeah. <laughs> uh, that that we do every day, but it's been fantastic. We have an exceptional staff. 
uh, you know, for our department, and we work really well with the university. So it's been it's been outstanding uh, for me to, to you know, spend these past eight months here. Yeah, and it's funny because your answer about what has stayed the same <clears throat> is actually what is always my answer about what my favorite part about Princeton is. Because I agree, the people here have been quite phenomenal. I don't think that the place Princeton is anything without its people, and so Absolutely. exactly, yeah, the pr- people of Princeton have always been great. And then also the things that you mentioned about the the level, the high quality level of athletics that we have here. I've had quite a few student athletes on the podcast and I had Pat and Quincy a few weeks ago. I've had Jalen and Max on. I've had Grace on and just seeing all of them excel in their own individual exploits and pursuits. It's been it's been cool to watch because I'm someone who I'm a huge sports fan have always been. I when I was coming to college, I was like, I need the like the Duke basketball experience, the Alabama <laughs> football. Haven't quite gotten that. But this year, especially, it's been cool to see a lot of my friends and a lot of Princeton student athletes compete on the national level. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's been phenomenal for me in, in every meeting I go to, every you know event reception I go to when I talk about uh, our student athletes. It, it, it's the exceptional success that we've had, you know, anything from the, the football winning the Ivy League championship, the women's water polo winning the Ivy, you know, winning the, the conference championships. And one of the coolest things I've ever seen is the, you know, the student body rushing the pool. Jumping in after, uh, yeah. after that. <laughs> and, and just, you know, the list goes on and on. And I always have to give a shout out to the men's track team because I'm an alum of the men's track team finishing fifth in the country. It, it, it's really exceptional. But, but, but beyond the athletic success, what makes me most proud is knowing uh, the people that they are, the students that they are, knowing their commitment to the university and, and to service and, and all the things that makes a well-rounded Princeton experience. You know, that to me is, is why this was a dream job. Yeah. Because there are a lot of institutions in the country where academics isn't the first priority and, and service isn't uh, a critical part of the experience. And so to be able to be, be here... Uh, and serve the university in this way is just uh, more than I could have hoped for. Yeah, and I saw in one of your interviews that you mentioned that as a student here, you didn't fully appreciate Princeton and everything that it had to offer, and you now have a certain appreciation for the university after you've graduated. What have you been able to realize in the years since you've graduated that have let you come come to that, that moment of realization? Yeah. So, so I spent the first probably year and a half to two years here really angry, um, <laughs> I will say that, uh, because I wasn't academically prepared like I should have been. Who uh, is that? I, I, I could, uh, well, well I, I was on academic probation the first year, so, uh, you know, I, I think it, was, it wasn't a matter of being able to do the work. It was knowing how to do the work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, I learned over the course of my four years here, right, that, that I had to push myself differently. I had to challenge myself. I had to ask for help, which was something that I had never had to do before when it, when it came to, to, to school. And so learning through that process and being able to understand now that, that struggling is a part of the path to success. And, and many times people don't tell you that side of their story. You see successful people and you should assume that they've had this you know, straight you know, upward trajectory uh, through their path. That's not the way the world works. And, and, and understanding that failure is part of the, the process, that struggling is, is part of the process, uh, and, and that everyone... Uh, and I say this to our student athletes all the time. Everyone is struggling in something, mm-hmm. right? You know, whether it's personal, whether it's social, whether it's athletic or academic or, or, or whatever. It's easy to look around this place where everyone seems to be excelling in everything and, and kind of feel insecure about the things that you're, you're, you're being challenged with. But everyone has some, some level of challenge. Uh, and, and this place is designed to challenge you. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be challenging, uh, and that's what makes it great to, to be able to walk 
uh, outfits Randolph Gate or out, you know, Princeton Stadium uh, at the end of graduation and know that 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 you made it. Um, and, and I will tell you, I, I didn't have the 4.0. I didn't even think I had a 3.0, but I still had a Princeton degree. I still yeah. had the training, and, and that more than anything to me is something that over time you learn to appreciate because when you get out into a working world and you see the way that people respond to you because you, you went to Princeton, you see the way that uh, you are taught to think critically here. Uh, it, it just shapes you in ways that you can't appreciate until you've left the place. Yeah. And when you see the, the alumni network and the way that other Princeton alums will bend over backwards for you, all of that to me over the past 22 years since I graduated has helped me to develop such a profound appreciation for this place uh, and what it has meant to, to my life. Yeah, and it's funny because, again, some of the stuff that you just described that you went through your first year and a half here is exactly what I went through myself and what I know a lot of my other friends went through where I think we come to Princeton, we were also highly successful in high school and in just everything that we did. And so we just came here expecting to keep that level of, of success going. But then you find that Princeton will humble you very, oh, very quickly, which I think is a great thing for people to learn. Because again, like you said, nothing's supposed to be a straightforward, easy path. I struggled a lot academically, socially, every way my freshman year. Now I look at myself now and I'm like, okay, I've come a long way because yeah. of those different paths that I had to, to go through. And again, imposter syndrome is something that oh, has man. come up time and time again <laughs> on this podcast. Would you say that's something that you oh, experienced? Oh man, <laughs> so much. And I talked to some of my, my, my peers who are here with me about it. And, and I think the university, I think the, the, the students are so much better and so much more well-equipped to talk about real issues like that you know we, we didn't talk about imposter syndrome or, or struggling or, or seeing a counselor or just the reality of being a Princeton student uh, and especially being being you know a Princeton student of color you know I, I grew up outside of Detroit my father worked at, in a GM car factory for his whole life my mother's you know, stayed at home because there were seven of us and so the reality of coming from a really small town and I jokingly say you could have put me on the moon and there would have been less culture shock <laughs> than coming to Princeton. But ultimately understanding that this is just what the place is. And it's, you know, kind of sink or swim. Uh, but also um, understanding and coming to grips with the fact that I was responsible for the outcome. You know, once you get here, you have to own your experience, good, bad, or indifferent. And, and I think uh, I spent the first year, like I said, angry that, you know, my school hadn't prepared me. And, and, and as I've told students, you have to learn the difference between uh, blame or, or fault and responsibility, right? It, it may not be your fault, but ultimately it's your responsibility. So what are you going to do with that? Yeah. And I think a lot of people spend so much of their time focusing on who's, you know, whose fault it is, who's to blame. They never get to owning responsibility and they never get to be as successful as they otherwise would have been uh, if they just accept that I am where I am and I need to figure out how to make it work. Yeah, exactly. And regardless of where you end up, you're always responsible for how you react, which is one of the chapters in one of my favorite books. So yes, could could not agree with you with you more. And so you explained a little bit ago why this was your dream job being the athletic director of Princeton. But you have a family, you are you've got your law degree, you're a practicing lawyer for over 10 years, you're an ordained pastor. How hard was it to accept the job because you would have to kind of uproot and then just restart again, although where you would have been familiar, but for your whole family, or your kids, your wife also went to Princeton, but it would have been different for, for the entire family. Yeah. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that I've never been able to say no to Princeton. <laughs> um, and, and really, th this job came along at a time that was, I mean, really just perfect. And, and, and my wife and I would say that this, this made all the other things in, in over the past 20 years make sense with, with my career moves and things. And so 
uh, on one hand, it was it was a no brainer, you know, to 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 say yes and to pursue this. And, and my wife was as soon as you know I became aware that the, the job was open. My wife said to me, "If you don't do this, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. So you might as well go and, and apply." Um, but for me, it, it, it was it was challenging because you know I was I was pastoring a church and, and, and the church where I grew up. My father pastored before me and, until he passed away, and I was home uh, near my family. I have uh, three older sisters and, and three older three younger sisters and my mom. And you're uh, the only boy in the family. Wow, yeah, <laughs> a lot of wow. yeah. That's a whole that's a whole other episode. Um, and, and so you know, used to seeing them at least once a week, you know, for church and afterwards, and my kids getting to be uh, around family that that meant a lot, but. You know, Princeton and, and this opportunity is just just undeniable, and, and so in a sense, uh, it was uh, as I've said, it was a, a choice between staying home and coming home. Yeah, and, oh, and, I like that. What, <laughs> uh, what this 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 place offers, and not just for me and the job, but being a part of the community and, and for our kids to get to grow up uh, in this environment, it was just too good to pass up. Yeah, yeah. And now you are almost a full academic year into the role. How would you say it has stacked up to stacked up to your expectations? I mean, it's been it's been amazing, you know. Uh, it's it's. I feel like I came in with my eyes uh, as open as they could be, um, being familiar with the place and college athletics and, and kind of the, the time we're in. You know, COVID threw us some 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 challenges throughout the year that we we maybe weren't anticipating. You know, that they'd play out the way that they did. But again, our, our teams have competed uh, exceptionally well. Our staff and, and student athletes have been resilient, and, and, and I think they've been a, an amazing rallying point for, for the university as a whole in, in seeing the way uh, that the student population has come out and been so supportive, uh, and, and I can't thank them enough. It's just been you know, uh, an amazing experience, and so for me to get to, to travel uh, you know, the country and to talk to Princeton alums about Princeton uh, and as I say, if there's one thing Princeton alums love, it's talking to other Princeton alums about Princeton. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, I get to do that every day yeah. and, and to talk about the great things that are going on, but, all, you know, not just the, the, the competitively, but the great things, you know, that are going on on, on campus as a whole, you know, uh, because, again, I, I see my job as encompassing the, the, the experience of, of every student who walks on this campus, whether they, you know, are a varsity student athlete, a club student athlete, an, an intramural student athlete, or they just go to Dillon to, to use the fitness center or, or, or play rec or whatever. That's my job. Yeah. You know, and I want, I want every student on this campus to have uh, a great experience. And so when I, when I go out and talk, I talk about, you know, the plans for, for the renovation of Dillon or, or to do, you know, uh, to make sure that, that we're providing a holistic experience um, and, and helping all the students to, to gain a skill set that's going to prepare them for, for the rest of their lives. Yeah, and <clears throat> I am a proud Dylan worker. I've worked there since my <laughs> sophomore year, and I am just I'm just sad that the renovation is happening so late, and I won't be here to experience any of the new facilities because I've actually been involved in some of the processes, getting to see what the new building would look like, getting to give some input, and it's just it's a little bit sad. I would like to take advantage. So when I'm back for reunions, I might just you know have to go for a workout, play basketball, or something. <laughs> Princeton will always be your home, and you will always be welcome. And, and I, I encourage everyone to to come back uh, frequently, not just for athletic events, but just to be a part of the campus and community, and to to see uh, when you wander around campus and you see all of the construction going on. Um, it, it's easy at points to become you know, frustrated about what's what's happening or why isn't it happening sooner <laughs> or 
Um, but I think it, it speaks to, to the progress in the university's commitment to continuing to evolve and change and providing the best all-around uh, experience for students. Yeah, and how exactly do you determine what success looks like in your role? Because I think a year like this one has been, I think you would call successful the with the level of success that the athletic teams have had. But in a year that maybe those sports teams aren't doing as great, what does what does a successful year look like for you? It's 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 not one thing. Uh, I, I think the easiest measure is 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 feedback from from student athletes, from uh, alums, from parents, from other students. Uh, I'm, I'm, I solicit feedback. We do you know, end of season you know, surveys and, you know, for all of our student athletes so they can provide completely anonymous responses and feedback about their experience. Uh, and to me, if, if student athletes are giving us positive feedback about their experience, that's success. Um, our, our, our teams win, and we win a lot, <laughs> uh, and I like to win a lot. Um, but that can't always be the, the measure for success. Sometimes... Uh, the growth uh, of a program uh, of a team uh, that, that comes out of nowhere and, and challenges for a championship is, is, is almost as good as a team that wins one. And so taking that perspective, how are our student athletes showing up on campus? How are they showing up in service in the community? All of those different metrics. What kind of mentorship are we providing? What kind of internship opportunities do they have? How are they are how are student athletes who who've been out of school for a year or two? Uh, how are they doing, and, and and how are we engaging with them? All of those things factor into you know us being successful, uh, and, and it's not a a fixed point. It's it's kind of a continuing journey. But uh, I think as we, we we take in the feedback, it helps to you know us to make strategic decisions about how we can improve. Uh, in providing the best all-around experience. Yeah, and one of the things you just mentioned is how our student athletes existed on campus. And um, so I came, obviously not a student athlete, I'm on the club soccer team. I actually retired after our senior game in the fall, but that's, that's a different story. And so I came into Princeton, and one of the things that I noticed, or at least what appeared in my mind, was something that was more of a, seemed like a, a student athlete versus non-athlete divide. Is that something that kind of existed when you were here also? I, I don't think so. Um, it, well, I should say there's always a little bit of, 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 of a student athlete, you know, divide because their the, the lives are so structured in a way yeah. that, that you know what time practice is. You're traveling. It, it's it's in many ways it's it's a different experience than than the non-student athlete has have. But at the same time, because of the structure of the university, because you're taking classes together, because you're eating all of your meals together, because you're living in dorms together, um, you're, you're a part of the same same community. And, and so uh, one of the things that I always think about is how can we encourage uh, student athletes to take full advantage of, of what the campus has to offer? Uh, I, I always say that you know, when you're an athlete, it becomes such a central piece of your identity that, that I was a track guy, I was a football player, I am a swimmer, um, and you, you've spent countless hours and years of your life doing that thing. Um, but at some point, we all have to retire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and at many places, because you haven't been pushed or challenged to do anything else, there's a bit of an identity crisis when you can't do the thing anymore that you've always done. The beauty of Princeton is that you have four years to develop the rest of your identity, to take classes from Nobel-winning professors in, in subjects that you may not even have an interest in or may not know that you've had an interest in, 
or to, to, to be a part of, of other, you know, co-curricular groups, dance groups and singing groups. I sang in the gospel ensemble while I was here. I did community service and, and, and really kind of f sometimes fall into interests and passions that you didn't know that you, that, that you had um, because that's the kind of place that this is. So that at the end of four years, and, and most student athletes are done after four years or whenever you're done, you've developed as a whole person and you have a whole diverse set of interests that, that you understand that you're more than just your athletic uh, ability. And so I think giving student athletes that perspective and pushing them to go and engage and to support non-student athletes in the things that they're doing. You know, I remember I used to go all when my roommate was in the Black Arts Company dance show and, and always go to that or stop by an art scene and, and to, to engage not just the things that you're a part of outside of your sport, but to support others, your, your friends and, and peers on campus. Uh, I think that just goes so far into having a well-rounded and meaningful uh, Princeton experience. Yeah, I agree. And I, I was just curious about still what it was like during your time, because I think I came in and that was my initial experience. And. I, I think from speaking to a lot of my student athlete friends and just seeing what their experience was generally like, you do understand exactly that they are having two full-time schedules, essentially being athletes and then being students. And then you get to understand exactly why they might not always come to the events that you want them to, because I used to, I was the vice president of the Black Males Association. And that was one of our biggest initiatives was how do we get more of the student, male student athletes to come out to our events. And then after they wouldn't, we, you know, you sit down, you have some conversations. You're like, okay, we get it. You guys are just extremely busy. And then when they do show up, you just appreciate it that much yeah. more. And then the support is is able is able to go both ways. So yeah. I was just uh, out of curiosity just to see no, how, how things have changed. Yeah, <laughs> no. And, and again, it's, it's it's something that has always you know, been a priority of trying to encourage, you know, I think student athletes and, and our coaches do a phenomenal job. And, and, and part of it is just developing a comfort level in, in your own work style and workflow of I can take an hour or two to do this where I don't have yeah. to be studying or I can, you know, go and engage here. Uh and still get done what I need to get done uh, when, when it comes to academics. And, and that's, it's, it's some of it's trial and error. Um, and, and again, I think um, when you become a part of a community outside of your team, um, it, it really helps. Because uh, again, all students have, have, have full lives. All students have, have busy schedules, but it's about, again, understanding the opportunities that you have during the four year period here. Um, I, we had two of our former football players back last month doing a talk and they talked about you know, going to talks when when they're on campus or or, or, or just engaging in things uh, to help uh, set you on a path for, for for lifelong learning and for understanding what uh, what Princeton offers. Yeah, and even kind of al along those same lines, just branching out and now putting looking at the responsibility of the general student body population because, like I mentioned earlier. Um, big sports fan. Duke basketball has always been my favorite. Just that's just been my t <laughs> not not. <big. laughs> and I remember freshman year, I went to I visited one of my friends down in North Carolina. Went to a Duke basketball game, and you show up, everyone's in blue and white. Everyone's standing the whole basketball game. You get that whole. You get the the sports experience that I that, that was something that I was looking for specifically. And I'm a big sports fan, so I'll go to a lot of the different sports games. And after having some of my the student athletes on the podcast, one of the things that they you keep hearing is maybe there could be a little bit more support out of the student body. And so in your mind, although we are at a, a, stu a school like Princeton, which is such has, has such a high academic focus, do you see the potential for us to get to that level of support where it doesn't matter what the game is, there are always going to be students who are coming out cheering as much as they can? Yeah. 
And, and, and so first, I think, you know, we, we, we have really good student support. You know, the, the, the Jab and Jungle and the members of our, our student group do a phenomenal job of, of promoting athletic events and trying to, to generate interest. You know, just this past, you know, weekend, they proposed their, their six-pack. We had, you know, six uh, home athletic events, and they give out prizes to students who, who, who show up at, at all six. And so we, we, we have tre- tremendous uh, passion and, and excitement from our student groups. Could, could there always be more? Sure. Um, I, I think, again, one of the most important things is, is having a connection. And when you uh, develop a relationship with someone's on the team, in the same way if you develop a relationship with someone who's in the dance troupe or the music group, that, that you're more inclined to show up. I think the other piece, too, is, is, is frankly just students understanding uh, or non-student athletes understanding how much their presence actually means uh, to student athletes. Um, when I think back to the first athletic event of the year, I think it was a women's soccer um, game on a Friday in, in the end of August, uh, the student turnout, um, when I think about the Harvard football game, when I think about just a couple of different events during the year, the presence of, of, of students in the stand makes an incredible difference in, in the atmosphere, uh, in the experience of student athletes. Um, but again, I also think it's reciprocal. I think when student athletes go out and, and attend other events and support students, you know, students are more likely to show up uh, and, and support athletic events. And so we're trying to think through ways that we can um, merge the two you know, and, and partner up so that, um, that the campus community as a whole uh, is, is learning to kind of step out of their comfort zone and support each other. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and so um, as your job as athletic director, you have to go to a bunch of the different sports games, probably most of them. Are there any particular sports teams that you are more excited about their games and any teams that you're, you're, you're like, I'm going to show up because it's my job, but I don't necessarily <laughs> want to watch this sport. <laughs> and you could be honest or not. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I'm always going to start with the track team because it's, uh, it was the, the team that I was on. Um, I mean, honestly, I, it, it sounds kind of cliche. I, I love watching all of our teams compete. Uh, I even before I had this job, I was a Princeton sports junkie. So I, I followed everything from football to fencing to water polo um, because I am insanely competitive and and I love this school. So um, it, it's 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 funny to me, you know. I, I came in on day one knowing the coaches and, and student athletes, and you know, um, probably you know freaked a few of them out by how much I know because that's 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 what I love. Yeah. That, that's what matters to me, and so you know. I, when I think back to my experience, some of the best moments uh, of my time as an undergrad was not my teams competing. It's watching my friends, you know, competing in whether it's in the NCAA basketball tournament or winning Ivy championship in men's soccer or an NCAA championship in, in, in lacrosse. Those things mattered to me uh, because I had friends who were on those teams. And so now when I go and, and, and watch all of our teams compete, I know the effort and the time that they're putting in. And I know what it costs them uh, to be out there competing. And so uh, I want to show up for, for, for all of our student athletes as coaches and coaches as much as I can uh, to support them because I just appreciate the, not just what they're doing but how they're doing it. That was that was a good answer. I, you maneuvered it very nicely. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm a trained attorney, so I know how to, uh, <laughs> I know how to flip the question. <laughs> um, and then, okay, now one of the last things that I want to bring up is just, again, a little, I'm not going to call it a gripe, but it is related to your job as, as athletic director. And so I play a lot of pickup basketball. I'm always at Dylan. I work at Dylan. And 
there are a lot of times that I'll go with my friends and we'll want to play, but all the courts will be taken by the volleyball team. <laughs> and so I just wanted to float the idea by you of creating a separate volleyball facility for the varsity teams, especially amidst all the construction going on, so that us students, us, you know, not... Wait, quick question. Was the term NARP a thing when you were here? No. Non-athletic regular person? Okay, no. so I, w- I wonder when that was born. <laughs> but so the rest of us NARPs can always have a basketball court to play on could that be possible so i tell you one of the things i'm always i'm always doing and our staff will tell you i'm, I'm obsessed with with facilities um and trying to make sure that we have uh enough access for not just our, our varsity students and in, in conflicts but also for the student population as, as a whole um so i it, that that's one of my things right is is you know we have a limited supply of of recreational space and how do we maximize that while still making sure the varsity teams have access and the club teams have access. And, you know, when, when I think about, you know, Baker Rink, right, I, I played broom ball at 10 or 11 o'clock at night in intramurals, but, you know, we have one sheet of ice with two varsity teams who can't practice at the same time. And, and, and what does that mean in terms of their schedules and getting to classes and dinner? And what does that mean in terms of access for students on campus or community members? All of those things play into uh, the facilities have that we have and the facilities that, that we need. And so, um, yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly understand. And I think that's one of the challenges that, you know, that I currently have is how do we uh, continue to develop our facilities in a way that, that serves all of our needs. And so what I'm hearing is there are no plans to separate <laughs> the varsity. <laughs> that's, not, that's not at all what I said. <laughs> I, I said we want to meet everyone's needs. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, well, this, is, this has been a very, very enjoyable podcast. I know that you are a very busy man. You just described that you have meetings all day. So thank you so much for taking the time out to come on on my little student podcast. No, <laughs> absolutely my pleasure, really. I appreciate you extending the offer. Of course, and and this has been another episode of Go With The Flow. Um, Athletic Director John Mack, thank you for coming on. And everyone, thank you for listening. Go Tigers.